Microphone check. One, two. CC. Hello and welcome at CC. Hello and welcome at one, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go. Rolling. Hello and welcome to The Documentary Life, a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life. I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 86. And it is brought to you by Barong Films, proud creators of Documentary Film, The Documentary Life Podcast, and The Documentary Academy, our industry-changing A to Z documentary filmmaking program that will transform you into the documentary filmmaker that you've always wanted to be. Find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. This past weekend, my family and I attended a family reunion down in North Carolina. It's actually the second time we've been into North Carolina in the past, uh, like, six weeks. Other than an aunt and uncle who moved down there a couple of years back, I don't actually have any family down there. It just seemed to be a fairly central location for most of us to get to. Most of my extended family lives in New York State and, and down in Virginia and South Carolina. In any case, I saw a lot of people at this reunion, in fact, many of whom I've not actually seen in over a decade, and some who were not even teenagers the last time I'd seen them, so there was a lot of catching up to do. Now, whenever someone finds out that I work in documentary, inevitably one of the questions that I'm always asked, other than, of course, what documentaries have I worked on, is what my favorite documentary is. Which is a fair enough question, I get it. You know, they're looking for recommendations or to share maybe a bit of what they've seen themselves, right? But nonetheless, for me, it's still one of the most difficult, nearly impossible questions for me to answer. It's like asking me my favorite band or album of all time, or my favorite food to eat. The truth is, I don't have a favorite of just about anything, other than a hockey team, I suppose, or a wife. Seriously, I have a lot of favorite foods that I like to eat. I love many different forms of music and particular albums. It just kind of depends on my mood or or musical genre. Equally, I love many different documentaries. I definitely do not have one favorite per se. And what does favorite really mean anyway? Is it the doc that I've watched more than any other? Is it the doc that I feel is the most well-crafted? Or is it instead the most entertaining documentary? And while it's always a nearly impossible task for me to come up with a quote-unquote favorite doc film when I am asked the question, I do try and at least offer up a few docs that have left a big impression on me in my work. I guess you'd probably say that they were influences on me as a doc filmmaker. Besides, it's always fun to talk docs, right? And so for today's show, I'd love to have a little bit of that discussion with you, Doc Lifer. Instead of telling you my favorite doc, which as you already know I don't really have, I'm going to offer up five. And they're not like the five, right? They're just five documentaries that have influenced my doc life. That is to say, they've affected my doc filmmaking and or something about the way in which I live my doc life. And then, by the end of the show, I'm going to give you a call to action so that you can share some influential films with me. About a year ago, I received an email from a new listener at the time by the name of Aaron McGough. 
Erin was a newbie doc filmmaker who was setting out to make her first documentary, and it was in the country of Laos, and it dealt with people affected by the 270 million bombs that had been dropped by the U.S. during the Vietnam War, many of which were never detonated. If this sounds familiar to any listeners of the program, I myself dealt with similar territory with the film that I first worked on in Cambodia back in 2004. I was moved by Aaron's words and the doc journey that she was just setting out upon, and I felt a bit of a connection given the part of the world that she would be filming in and the story that she was going to be telling. And so I read her email back in episode number 40. Since that time, Erin and I have shared more correspondence, and I've closely followed her journey with her film, and she's also been a great asset to the TDL Community Facebook group. And so this week, I decided to reconnect with Erin to see how things were going with her doc film and her doc life. This is what she had to say. Erin McGough, I'm happy to bring you on the documentary Life. It's, I think we had you on way back in episode 40, I say way back, because somehow we've managed to uh, to double our, our output at that point. I can't believe it was that long ago when last we were in touch. Erin, how are you? I know. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think you read one of my emails that I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. You- I was kind of yeah, you you had reached out to me and we had some correspondence and I shared that correspondence, uh, like I said, way back in, in episode 40. And I would encourage any listeners, if you've not listened to that episode, I believe that was one that we did on B-roll of all things. And it was actually kind of a popular episode. So uh, listen to it if you haven't at this point. And certainly that way you can um, maybe even have a little bit more context uh, for who Aaron McGough, who I'm speaking with now, is all about. Aaron Another, I, I'm I'm super excited to have you here and to be talking with you, um, to be talking with you and sharing this with our audience uh, on a number of levels. One, as I mentioned, because we've had some email correspondence and I've been following the film that you have been doing in Laos and, and the project that you've been doing there. But you've also been a particularly active member in the TDL community Facebook group. And I guess first and foremost, thank you for for being who you are, Aaron, and and thank you for being a part of the community. And uh, again, thank you for for joining me today. Um, and and you know, I bring up the community Facebook group because a couple of months ago, Aaron, you posted some exciting news. You shared some exciting news with the TDL community, and it was about um, it was about a, a donation or grant that you had recently received in a pretty unexpected sort of way. And I wonder if you might share that story with us. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it taught me a huge lesson to never give up and be as polite as you as you possibly can. I, I think manners go a really long way. So mm. um, basically, I, I just reached out to this NGO. They're called World Without Minds, and they're a Swiss NGO. And I just reached out and was like, hi, um, I was just on set in Camuan, Laos, and one of the gentlemen that we interviewed um, mentioned your organization. And I just wanted to thank you guys for all the work that you're doing in Laos because obviously it's making a huge impact. And they emailed me back and they were like, oh, this is interesting. We're interested in your film. What do you need to finish it? And I was like, honestly, I, I need a lot of money. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. straight up. Yeah. And uh, they were like, okay, well, send us your needs. You know, send us like a little breakdown of kind of like what you need to finish production or post-production or marketing distribution. So I sent them basically like a line item list, super casual over email. I didn't even send them a full budget. And <laughs> they were just like emailing back and they were like, we'd like to cover your entire marketing and distribution budget. Wow. And just like what this is crazy i didn't even 
ask them for money. They just believed in what the project was. And and then uh, wrote you a check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So they're going to donate it through my fiscal sponsor. But they said once I get fully funded, um, then they're going to donate it. That's fantastic, Aaron. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm glad that you shared that not only with the community, but but it's, it's, it's nice to share that now here on the air, if you will. So, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about the film, the project that you're working on right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's totally the reason why I got so excited when I first listened to the documentary Life is because my uh, documentary, This Little End of Minds, is a feature-length documentary about the resilience of the Lao people as they live among and work to clear 80 million unexploded American bombs from when the United States secretly bombed Laos more heavily than any country has ever been bombed Mm. in history, Mm. which is a total mouthful, but basically it's about these 80 million unexploded bombs in Laos from the Vietnam War, which is very similar to a documentary that you worked on about (laughs) the UXO in Cambodia. So. When I heard you talk about UXO, I lit up because nobody knows what UXO means. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, it's it's going really good. I'm I'm working on it right now. We're looking to picture lock within the next two weeks, which wow. is it's it's so amazing, Aaron. As I mentioned, you know, it was way back in episode forty where we first shared some correspondence, and I could be wrong, but I feel like you may not have even gone to Laos mm-hmm. to begin shooting yet, and. Uh, it's an extraordinary journey that you've already been on, Aaron, and, and you know, relatively speaking, a pretty short amount of time. It's an incredible <laughs> turnaround for this film. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a lifetime, mm. but yeah, I, I had I started the research back in January while I was still in college, wow. January 2017, not 2018, wow. and then, yeah, I went to production in September 2017, because this film is kind of the jumpstart of my career, mm. so I'm like really eager to get it done, so I can like you know, kind of move on to the next segment of my life. Right, right. That totally makes sense. I get it. Can you share with us what one of the biggest challenges has been with the film? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) definitely funding. What a surprise. Obviously funding. But um, maybe I'll mention something a little bit more, uh, I don't know, interesting than just funding. Mm. That's everybody's challenge. But you might get this too, Chris, but um, the emotional burden of making a documentary about such a tragic thing, but not wanting to make a documentary has been a huge uh, hurdle for me, but an exciting challenge because it is about these 80 million bombs that are still killing people today, right. but it's not actually about that. It's the resilience of the people mm. as they deal with this issue. And that's just been a, a really difficult thing to, to navigate, especially as an American when my country is responsible for oh, that. Oh yeah, I get it. I get it. It was uh, yeah. pretty traumatizing when way back when, when I first uh, entered Cambodia and spent those months filming. And then, yeah, and then I, uh, and, then, and then sort of that heavy burden of sort of what uh, the country, the place where you come from, what, uh, how that has affected another country is, uh, it's a big one. And uh, yeah, you, you are absolutely spot on there, Aaron. You know, Aaron, when you mentioned this earlier, some of the um, some of the episodes that you had listened to, I wonder if if you could share with us again. Was that the when you first started listening to the documentary life, and how has it helped you in your own doc life? Yeah, I mean, I think I started listening like kind of near the beginning, mm. or I don't know, like a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, and I remember, like, I just typed into my like podcast store, like documentary podcast, because I. Yeah, I went to film school, but I like I'm constantly trying to learn new things and like I'm I'm always listening to podcasts and I found yours and the first one that I listened to was yours uh one, one of the ones in the beginning and it was about score. And oh, I'm, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You did reach out about that. 
Yeah, so I freaked out because you were talking about the importance of score, and I was like, yes! And you were so um, humble and kind of, like, friendly and, and very approachable about everything. And I was like, we need more documentary filmmakers like this, you know? <laughs> like, just taking themselves too seriously. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the, the podcast, I, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how, how you run this podcast and your company and have kids and, like, all this stuff. It's been <laughs> such a blessing, though. So glad you do it. I don't know either yet. We haven't, <laughs> haven't figured out the secret sauce either, let me tell you that. But it really is such a blessing. Like, I remember back in March, it was, like, a cold March day, and I was driving to my editing gig, and, um, you know, I was going to sit in a dark hole all day and, like, just think about my movie and all the woes of post-production. <laughs> and I was listening to one of your episodes on the way to work, and you, at the end of the episode, you just gave this, like, pep talk. And you were just like, you can achieve whatever you try to do. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, that's that's lovely. I, I I appreciate the kind words, and and you know this. You've been listening to the podcast for a while now. Again, you've been an active member of the TDL Community Facebook group. It's something that um, obviously this documentary and and certainly it's extended into this podcast is a near and dear you know passion for me. It's it's close to my heart. That's for sure. And uh, and and a big part of that is is really, you know, finding people like yourself and, 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 and discovering that there are people telling stories from all walks of life around the world. And, and this little lonely at times venture of ours, documentary filmmaking, when actuality, there's a lot of us that are doing it. And so I hope, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that in some way it's, um, it's providing some, some inspiration and some comfort. So, um, that's awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story and we will certainly, um, well, I'll, I'll say we'll post some some more information in the show notes, but what would help us is why don't you let us know how we can find out more information about this little land of mines? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you can go to uh, you know thislittlelandofmines.com. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, this little land of mines. Follow us on Instagram at this little land of mines or on Twitter at little landmines. Excellent. And I know that you are a busy woman yet again this evening, working hard, fast and furious in your studio as we speak. So I'm going to let you get back to it. Good luck on post. Of course, Aaron, make sure to keep us keep us aware of how the film progress is going. And uh, thank you again for being a doc lifer, Aaron. You're an inspiration to us all. And thanks for being a part of this conversation. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. Keep doing it. It's awesome. <laughs> thank you, Aaron. Bye, Chris. OK, bye, Aaron inspirational and informative words from Doc Lifer Aaron that I think we can all take a little something from. If you'd like to write me here at TDL, maybe you've got a question or two for me or a topic suggestion or guess who you'd like us to have on the show, you can email me directly at chris at barongfilms.com. I try and write each and every one back, although it may sometimes take a few days to get back to you. And for those Doc Lifers whom a quick phone call might be easier, we also have a hotline. Yes, I did just say hotline. In fact, why don't we give it a name right here and now on the program? Let's call it the TDL hotline. <laughs> so cheesy, I love it. The number that you use is 1-828-419-4845. Give us a ring. We'd love to perhaps highlight some of you here on the show. So feel free to leave us a question, give us some feedback, or you can even share a little bit about your own doc life. We'd love to be sharing some of your stories here on the show. 
All of this, of course, is a way in which we can all stay better connected to one another's doc lives. Of course, another great way is to jump into our free TDL Community Facebook group. If you haven't already done so, I highly recommend it. It's a great way to share ideas, share projects, pick up some hot tips and recommendations for your doc filmmaking and doc living. And like I said, it's totally free. I'll put a link to the TDL Community Facebook group up in the show notes for this episode. Of course, you can easily search for it in Facebook as well. When we continue with today's show, we're going to take a look at five influential docs to my doc life. This is going to be a list that I think you'll enjoy. It'll consist of a couple of no-brainers, but it's also going to consist of some you may not have seen and most definitely should. I'll talk a little bit about the film and then discuss how it has influenced me in my own doc life. That's coming up next here on The Documentary Life. When I first came up with the idea for the Documentary Life podcast, I was hoping to reach out and start connecting with other like-minded individuals and maybe create a community where doc filmmakers could learn from and get inspired by one another. And I wanted to have conversations that weren't just about the technical aspects of documentary filmmaking. I wanted to also be having discussions on what it meant to live the life of a creative, in our case, as doc filmmakers. And to my pleasant surprise and amazement, that is precisely what has happened with both the podcast and our community group. And now, we've expanded upon that idea with the release of Living Your Documentary Life, a program that breaks down the ways in which you can, through the creation of your art, live a sustainable, creative, and fulfilling documentary life. In Living Your Documentary Life, we remove the obstacles that you currently have in your life that are holding you back from making your documentary film, whether that be financial obligations, your immediate relationships, or your mindset and confidence in your abilities. You will gain perspective, build momentum, and create a lifestyle that serves you creating your best documentary filmmaking projects. If this sounds like the kind of doc life that you want to be leading, we'd love to help. Just head on over to thedocumentarylife.com slash yourdoclife and let's get you living and leading your best doc life today. Alrighty then, so why don't we get right into the five influential docs to my doc life. So the first doc I'd like to mention is either one of my favorite docs, and I don't like to use the word favorite as we know, or one that has influenced me in my work and is usually one of the first ones that I'll always mention. And it involves two massive names in the film industry. Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski, and it involves the film Fitzcarraldo. But this, of course, is not the doc that I'm referring to. Fitzcarraldo is the film within a film. I'm referring to a documentary by the name of Burden of Dreams, and it's by one of the doc industry's more respected filmmakers, Les Blank. Burden of Dreams, in simple terms, it's a making of about Herzog's Fitzcarraldo. Of course, it is also much more than that. It is also an anthropological study of hill tribes in Peru, who oftentimes are living and working right next to the Western crew. It is a film that explores the, well, shall we say, rather unique relationship between an auteur and his rather ego-mad subject. It is in the filming of Fitzcarraldo that so many of the urban legend-esque filmmaking stories are derived from. You ever heard of Kinski's on-set tantrums? Or when Herzog supposedly held a gun to his leading actor when he threatened to quit the film? That was actually during Aguirre, but these sorts of things most certainly happened during Fitzcarraldo. Well, 
it's all here in its glory in the documentary Burden of Dreams. It's an unfinished country. It's still prehistorical. The only thing that is lacking is, is the dinosaurs here. It's like a curse weighing on an entire landscape. And whoever goes too deep into this has his share of that curse. So we are cursed with what we are doing here. This doc inspired me to work in less than ideal environments. Herzog and his crew spend weeks on end in the jungles of Peru where anything that might be needed, whether food or equipment, or cast or crew, has to be flown in or shipped by boat down the river. He's working alongside native crew members who, for some, it's the first they've ever seen of a white person in real life, let alone worked alongside on, on a film production. The film itself is a lesson in adversity and perseverance. Since the film was pushed numerous times, at one point having to be entirely recast and reshot after having already been in production a couple of weeks. Analogous to the film within a film story, Burden of Dreams is a testament to the power of belief in that if you think you can pull a ship up over a mountain, then you most certainly can get a damn film made. Which Herzog eventually did. And so did Les Blank. And you should see both of their films. But in particular, Blank's Burden of Dreams. Francis said he had a dream a few nights ago about being on the set of the Saigon Hotel Room with Marty and a Green Beret advisor. In the dream, the Green Beret was telling Francis that what he was doing with Marty was wrong. It would never be like that. The Green Beret said those guys were vain. The guy would go to the mirror and admire his beautiful hair and beautiful mouth. In Francis's dream, he had Marty go to the mirror and look at himself, admire his mouth. And when he turned around, Francis could see that Marty had suddenly turned into Willard. A second documentary that had an impact on me and my work is another sort of film within a film, as in a documentary that is a making of another film. And it was about another giant filmmaker working in another developing country in less than ideal conditions, with a lead actor who almost died while filming. I'm talking about Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse, which covered the making of the film Apocalypse Now. Another film whose legends about the making of, or at times the unmaking of, it helped propel this amazing work into even further legendary status. I, 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 this time it was Francis's wife, Eleanor Coppola, and young filmmakers George Hickenlooper and Fax Barr were the filmmaking team behind this incredible behind the scenes that came out over a decade after the film that it was, well, filming. Not unlike why and how Burden of Dreams inspired me, Hearts of Darkness had some similar things happening. Although Coppola's production was significantly more massive in terms of scale, certainly, than Herzog's film. Which is also what kind of makes this film so great. Seeing this pretty bloated project trying to get made in some pretty adverse conditions in the Philippines, the least of which were dealing with monsoons during the rainy season. And at one point during filming, leading man Martin Sheen nearly dies of a heart attack. Now, maybe I'm just a sucker for making of documentaries, but Hearts of Darkness is a great one. And it really gives you an idea of how a making of documentary like this can be put together years after the footage has long been put away. You dust off all of the old behind the scenes, interview the leading people from the film 10 years later, and spend a year putting the doc together. 
It's a pretty straightforward approach to doc filmmaking, really, about a film where nothing was very straightforward. A film about a committed, shy man who is considered one of the bravest and most important war photographers of our time, but hardly fits the cliché of the hard-boiled war veteran. The third doc on this list that I'd like to mention is a documentary called War Photographer. I don't hide the fact that I've always greatly admired the war journalists of the world. Some of the biggest inspirations to me were the war photogs of the Vietnam War era like Neil Davis, Sean Flynn, and Tim Page. Last summer, in fact, I did a whole show dedicated to the war correspondent. It was episode number 32. In 2002, doc filmmaker Christian Frey released the documentary film War Photographer, a film about contemporary documentary photographer James Knockway, a photog who has produced some of the most recognizable images from some of the most devastated areas on the planet, including Rwanda, Kosovo, and the West Bank and Gaza. Not surprisingly, Nakwe's work in itself has always been incredibly compelling and inspirational to me, and getting to see him do his work and it being documented in such an intimate fashion, it was an incredible experience. But that's just the thing. It's the way in which Frey makes this film that makes it so special. Technically, the way in which he gives an insider's perspective of Nakwe's shooting was very powerful to me. Frey actually mounted a microcam. Now remember, this is well before GoPros even existed. He mounted this microcam directly onto Nakwe's own DSLR in such a fashion that one was privy to not only exactly what Nakwe was seeing in his viewfinder, but how he was on the fly operating all of the manual controls of the camera. It gave such a powerful sense of immediacy that brings the viewer of the film as closely as possible to the dangerous and rigorous world in which Nakwe often inhabits. Three years later, a filmmaking colleague, Sky, and myself would employ a similar setup with our own doc, Bomb Hunters, which was truly directly influenced by what we'd seen in War Photographer when we rigged up a small lipstick cam directly to the side of our subjects' faces as they went down into deep holes to uncover, then attempt to dismantle massive bombs that had never detonated during the Vietnam War. I mean, that came right from what we'd seen in War Photographer. Thank you very much, Christian Frey. The doc is well-paced, it examines an eminently fascinating subject in Nakwe, and it takes place in a multitude of places around the world. I absolutely loved it. I mean, what's not to love? When I was young, when I was little, that's all I used to think about, the NBA. If I, if I set my mind, I, I, can, I can go. I can, stay, I can go. Get in good college, I can go. But if I don't, you know, I ain't going to be no drug dealer, you know, cry about it, come back and, you know, stick up gas stations or nothing like that, you know. Probably going to comedian or architecture or something like that. Back in episode number 62, we had on one of my personal documentary heroes, Steve James. If you haven't yet listened to the episode, you must go back and check it out. Steve was so down to earth, so gracious, so on point with his observations on documentary filmmaking. And it's easily one of my favorite conversations that I've had with a guest. Although Steve was recently nominated for a Best Documentary Award for his film Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, he will most likely forever be known for his first foray into documentary with his film Hoop Dreams, the film that followed two teenage boys from inner-city Chicago attempting to fulfill their dreams of playing professional basketball. 
When it came out, it was one of the most talked about films of the year. Forget the fact that it was a documentary. And you have to remember, documentaries weren't really a mainstream thing then. Which is probably how and why that particular film inspired so many of us burgeoning doc filmmakers. It was a documentary that did well at the box office. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was the first doc that I saw on a big screen. And seeing it on that big screen... It gave me hope for the future of documentary and really for independent filmmaking, period. It was loosely shot but tightly edited. It was a case of fact being far better than any fiction that I was seeing at the movies. And the film was primarily shot on beta SP videotape, people. Digital video wasn't really even around then. This was a format that news professionals were shooting with. And we were watching it transferred to a 35mm print for theatrical distribution. That alone was incredibly inspirational to me. True to its namesake, Hoop Dreams was truly all about dreams. And I am not alone in saying that this film allowed me to dream that I could someday become a filmmaker myself. And Steve James's work continues to inspire me today. The stories that he is telling about people in less than ideal circumstances just trying to make an honest living is pretty incredible. And it's why I always greatly look forward to the next Steve James documentary. Now, the last film that I'd like to mention to you is a documentary, or maybe I should say more aptly docudrama, as it's apparently often referred to as, called Touching the Void. At some point, you're going to have to rely wholly on your partner. I didn't really know what I was letting myself in for. We just lost control. It was a film made by Kevin MacDonald, and it's about British climbers Joe Simpson and Simon Yates and their near-fatal climb of Ciula Grande in the Peruvian Andes. In the film, both climbers successfully ascend the mountain, but it is the descent where they get into trouble, eventually Simon being forced to decide upon his life or his friends. Simon returns to base camp only to see his friend later on crawl down from a crevasse days after being presumed dead. Now, a big part of the beauty of this doc is also what made it particularly controversial. So much so that, while it was indeed long-listed for an Oscar, ultimately the Academy decided that it wasn't truly a documentary due to the narrative elements that depict the various events. People were cast to play the parts of Joe and Simon. Film production outside of the documentary interviews ensued. Now, this was back in 2003, you have to remember. Much has transpired during that time in terms of documentary storytelling and documentary storytelling devices. I can't say whether or not nowadays a film like Touching the Void would still be kept from an academy because it wasn't deemed a documentary, but I do think that there is a lot more leeway now. I can honestly say that this was the first time I'd seen such substantial reenactment taking place, and that definitely inspired me. But certainly seeing major reenactments and having actors play the parts of doc subjects, that's become a bit more commonplace nowadays, hasn't it? Another technical aspect that I think is worth mentioning was some of the camera work, in particular the camera that they built to the chest of Joe Simpson's character, which was pointed straight up at Joe's face. It really gave the audience a sense of the desperation, the frantic qualities of the escape, the expressions on Joe's face. Absolutely, it was a very powerful cinematic device, and again, I'd not seen this really done in documentary. So if you haven't already seen Touching the Void, I can highly recommend it. Just know that if you're a mountaineer, you may not want to scale any mountains anytime soon after seeing the film. 
Now, in terms of documentary recommendations, obviously any of these I would say would be good ones. And of course, I'll list them all out, including trailer links in the show notes for this week's episode. That being said, these won't necessarily be inspirational to you in the way that they were me. They may not work for you at all on that level. We all have different tastes and we are all at different stages in our doc filmmaking which is my way of opening the door to you, Doc Lifer, to let me know what docs have been influential to you in your own career. I would love to hear about them, as I'm sure would the rest of you Doc Lifers. So let me know what your list of five would be, okay? Drop me an email at chris at barongfilms.com, or of course you can use the TDL hotline, there I said it again, at 1-828-419-4845. Tell you what, I'm also going to post my list up on the TDL Community Facebook group. That way, you can post your own five recommendations in the comments section below that post. So yeah, lots of ways to let us know some good docs out there that might inspire us in our own doc films and our own doc lives. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Documentary Life. Don't forget to tune in next week when we have a pretty mind-blowing conversation with documentary photographer Allison Wright, a woman who has spent over 35 years photographing people in 150 countries around the world. Her story and near-death experience after a horrific bus crash in Laos, followed by her remarkable recovery, compelled her to author the incredibly moving memoir, Learning to Breathe, One Woman's Journey of Spirit and Survival. This is a conversation that is unlike any that I've ever had here on The Documentary Life. So do be sure to tune in next week for that. So until then, I remain your host, Chris G. Parkhurst. Have a great week, Doc Lifer. Don't forget, if you're looking to live and lead a documentary life, you need to head over to thedocumentarylife.com slash yourdoclife and take a look at our Living Your Documentary Life program. We'll help you craft your lifestyle so that you are able to make the documentary films that you want to make and live the doc life you want to live. Mm-hmm.